Welcome to the Cinema Rat, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent, narcissistic actors, directors, and producers. Here, we will laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does. They've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory and May. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory, and welcome back to another episode of The Cinema Rag. I hope you're doing well today. Today, we're going to talk about Blumhouse and Jason Blum and the success of this genre and what other genres of film and what Hollywood can learn and has learned from it. Now, I'm doing this in honor of the release of the new generation's psycho doll horror movie, Megan, which was released by Blumhouse. And of course, it reminds me of previous ones like Annabelle, which I I did not watch. But Chucky, Child's Play, was was quite a big impression on me uh, when I was a child. So I think there's a lot to glean from Blumhouse. So if you're not familiar with Blumhouse, Blumhouse, Jason Blum is a producer and and a Hollywood executive, and he got to start working with uh, the Weinsteins over at Miramax. And then about 20 years ago, he started Blumhouse. And Blumhouse, we're going to go through some of their movies and just kind of the the, the modus operandi or the, or the tactic of Blumhouse and how successful Blumhouse has been. We talked about it in the episode, I think it was like episode five, how we can save... Well, what's wrong with theatrical release? What's wrong with movie theaters? And how we lamented the the death, essentially, of theatrical releases of dramas and romantic comedies. And we talked about that in that episode, how there's really only three types of movies that succeed. And that's going to be intellectual property that's been previously done, like DC, Marvel, whatnot, Transformers, Avatar. Then you see horror and then maybe animation, kids' movies. But horror is a very lucrative genre and i think a lot of this a lot of this has to do with blumhouse because the blumhouse mo is essentially low budget unknown actors or if you can get relatively known actors and people will turn out people will turn out and why do they turn out it's well who likes horror young people like I, I liked horror when I was a kid, and then now I won't even touch horror. <laughs> it's part of growing old, I guess. But people will turn out for horror, especially if it has a good word of mouth. And so if you look at Megan, Megan cost $12 million to make. And so far, when I'm recording this, has already made $54 million. So this is what studios look at. They look at, is the movie going to make us a return of our investment? That's the... That's the minimum. It's like, are we going to get our money back? But really, they're looking for more money, right? So if you look, it, it's going to be make make more than the fifty-four million that's already made so far. So it's already over quadrupled its budget. And if you know anything about Blumhouse, this is not a surprise. This is their whole strategy, their whole mo. So we're just going to go quickly through some of their more famous movies and just look look at the payout that these these studios have done and why they love horror in particular Blumhouse because Blumhouse has a history of success and look the the Blumhouse movies have a variety of directors Wu is probably the most famous uh, successful correct uh, director of of these movies 
And they have just different distributors. Sometimes it's Universal, sometimes it's Lionsgate, sometimes it's Sony. So all the different big studios are definitely getting their their buck for this and they realize the the profit. So let's go back. So probably the first big movie was Paranormal Activity. Again, I'll, I'll tell you, I've seen none of these movies. Probably all the movies that I'm going to mention, I have not seen because, again, I'm not big into horror. Paranormal, 2009. Budget, 450000 Made worldwide almost $200 million. That's easily a 400 times return of investment, if I use my mental math. Made for four fifty thousand, made two hundred million. Okay, Tooth Fairy. I don't even remember this movie. Forty-eight million budget. That's the follow-up. So they're like, well, we're going to give them more money. Made one hundred and twelve million. So I've doubled the budget. Paranormal Activity two. <laughs> the budget went from four hundred fifty thousand for the original to three million. It only makes one hundred seventy-seven million. Insidious. The budget one point five million makes a hundred million. Paranormal Activity 3, budget $5 million, makes $207 million. Sinister, $3 million budget, makes $87 million. Paranormal Activity 4, $5 million budget. Even after the success of this genre, the fourth movie, they're like, we're going to still keep the budget small, $5 million. Makes $142 million. The Purge. I do know the, the premise of this movie, even though I didn't see it. And it's got my boy Ethan Hawke in it. $3 million budget makes $91 million. Insidious, two, $5 million budget, $161 million. Paranormal Activity, 2014 one, $5 million budget makes $90 million. And even like movies that, that, that don't even register, like Oculus, made for $5 million, made $44 million. The Purge Anarchy, the sequel, made for $9 million, makes $111 million. Again, so at this point, they could be like, hey, let's just give this, let's just give Blumhouse or let's just, or Jason Blum's like, let's just have a $50 million budget, right? Because we know these movies, especially the sequels, are going to be successful. He's like, no, <laughs> that's not our MO. Low budgets, most of these are easily under $10 million, and they make a, they make a killing. Ouija. $5 million budget makes $103 million. And look, I mean, we can keep going over and over. Insidious Chapter 3, $10 million budget makes $120 million. The Visit, I don't even remember this movie, $5 million budget makes $100 million. We're in 2015. And so what you'll notice is just a lot of output. The dude's doing, or the, the, the production company's doing three, four movies a year so it's just total output again ouija the sequel nine million budget makes 81 million look at get out and split i did not know these were blumhouse jordan peele's first movie get out made for five million makes 252 million it's not as good as paranormal activity the first one because it didn't make 400 times the amount of money it made but Get Out, of course, was a humongous success. And it put Jordan Peele on the map. I mean, of course, he was a famous comedian, had the, the Comedy Network show. But made it put him on the map in terms of his directing skill. And I believe it got a couple of Academy Award nominations. Split, that's the McAvoy multiple personality one. $9 million budget makes 278 
million. Happy Death Day. Five million dollar budget makes 125 million. Who was in Happy Death Day? Right? Who was it? Who were in these movies? Now, sometimes they make mistakes. Look, they had a 31 million dollar budget for Birth of the Dragon. That made seven million. So they lost 24 million on that. But you know what? When you're making on a lot of these movies, a good $90 million profit, you know, you can eat the cost. A couple more of these. Insidious, The Last Key, 2018, $10 million budget, makes $172 million. Truth or Dare, $3.5 million budget, makes $100 million. First Purge, $13 million budget, makes $137 million. Halloween, the 2018 version, $10 million budget, makes $255 million. Glass, the sequel to Split, $20 million budget. Now, again, this is a perfect example. McAvoy's in this. It did well. They could have a sequel, that, that a much bigger budget. But he's like, no, okay, $20 million is a lot for us. And, of course, they make $246 million. And then we go forth and, and so forth. And then you have later on. Halloween Kills, $20 million budget. That was last year. made $130 million. Halloween Ends, $20 million budget, $105 million profit. Total worldwide box office. So again, look, my point of this, rolling off all these numbers, is why can't Hollywood learn from Blumhouse? Now, some of it, of course, is this is the horror genre. You don't need to have a major actor. You think Ethan Hawke, of course, is well-known for my generation, but they got good dramatic actors like Patrick Wilson and Vera Formiga to be in some of these movies. But as a whole, most of these movies have young actresses or actors that are not well-known and therefore don't demand a high budget. Like if you're going to put Brad Pitt in a Blumhouse, a good 60% of your $5 million budget. If I mean, it, it's not even 60 because I'm sure Brad Pitt's asking for more than $5 million for a movie. But the thing is, you don't need to spend all your money on the actor when you know the genre and now your reputation is going to get you your profit back. So you keep the budget low because you know you're going to make profit. So yes, there are mistakes that he's had in a couple of these movies, but as a whole, it's astonishing this production company has made trillions trillions of dollars and so why do we need to spend a hundred million dollar budget for a movie like look at the marvel look at dc i mean their budgets are easily over a hundred million and so for them to do well they the movie which typically does do well has to make several hundred million dollars, if not more. A lot of these Marvel movies, or even Avatar, Cameron said, well, it's like, you know, for us to really, for this to be successful, we need to garner a billion dollars because they put so much money into it. So it's almost like an arms race, right? It's like, well, the Russians, they spend a lot of money on their new next generation nuclear bombs, and now we got to spend a lot of money on our next generation nuclear bombs and back and forth, back and forth. Instead of just stepping back and be like, this system is broken. And the current system that we have is broken. Yes, the studios will pay tens of millions, if not $100 million for the budgets for Transformers or Avatar or these IP that they know are probably going to deliver. Certainly now with the China market open, they know they're going to make this money back worldwide. But even with Marvel, you saw that they didn't do well with a lot of their more recent iterations like uh, Doctor Strange Part Two and The Eternals and so forth. And I just think the Blumhouse... 
Blumhouse is just doing it right. You keep the budget small. You get you know good actors, the best actors you can get, but you're not going to pay them a lot. And you write a really tight script and let the kids come in and let the horror freaks come in because there's enough teenagers and there's enough 20-somethings that like these movies that they're going to come in. And so if you're only, obviously, if you're only investing $5 million in a budget instead of $50 million, there's not as much pressure for the movie to, to, to perform. So if you put a $50 million budget, then you're like, oh, for us to recoup on this, we got to make at least 60, 70 million after advertising and all these things. But if the budget is 5 million, well, it's like, it's, it's, you're just playing with house money. You're playing with house money in the horror genre. Now, could we do this in other genres? That's the question. And I think with the, the comic book movies, it's hard because so much of it's CGI, just garbage CGI. So I, I don't think, I think you do have to invest a lot of money in those movies. But if we look at the other genres that have been floundering, you could really apply this to comedies. And there have been successful comedies that were just really good scripts. Go to the episode we did, what's more important, screenplay, director, or actors. Spoiler alert, screenplay. But if it's a good if it's a good screenplay, you can get nobody actors and the movie will do well and you can have a low budget. So we can have comedies come back to the theaters. You, you just don't see comedies. There was Ticket to Paradise with Clooney and and Julia Roberts, but the only reason that movie did well is because, of course, it had these marquee actors, and, and, and the, the premise is pretty simple. But we've seen the death of comedies in theatrical release, and I think some of it is the, if you want to bring in a feral, if you want to bring in well-known comedians, that's going to cost money. So it already kind of goes against the Blumhouse model of success. But there are comedies. I've mentioned like My Big Fat Greek Wedding. That, that movie was like 20 years ago. But it had Nia Verdalis and, and John Corbett, nobody. But the screenplay was good, and it made its returns. And there's certainly other examples of small comedies that have done well, like Project X, that, that high school one, did very well. And there's a lot of examples where comedies can be made for the cheap and make a lot of money. The key is, of course, the screenplay, and probably the key is finding unknown actors because unknown actors are cheaper. So I definitely think you can use the Blumhouse model for comedies because there's nothing better than going, and I remember like going to see Wedding Crashers at a theater. There's nothing better than being in a big group of people and watching a comedy because you you don't know what's coming and the laughs and it's just so spontaneous and you're feeding off each other. And you kind of see this in Marvel movies lots of times or Star Trek movies back in the day. I remember going to see Star Trek Four as a kid in the theaters and just with a bunch of Trekkies. And it, you know it's that ambience, that energy. And so the comedies are best when you see them with a bunch of other people and you're all laughing together. And so people want to go back for comedies. But the key is good screenplay. And the other key is let's lower the ticket prices, as we talked about in that episode, that you can't be charging $12 for a comedy because people aren't going to go see that. They're just going to wait till it streams. Now, where else can we apply this? Rom-coms, which are essentially comedies, could be the same thing. We have see successful comedies that are straight to streaming, like Set It Up. You could have put Set It Up, for example, in a theater with theatrical release. I don't think Glenn Powell and Zoe Deutsch are demanding a lot of money at that point when they made that money. And that would have been successful, I think. Again, it, it helps if you lower the ticket prices and it has good um, good PR. But I think even rom-coms can come back to the theaters if we use the Blumhouse model. Period dramas, like John, dramas from my age, I just don't think would work as a whole. I mean, you do see ones... Movies like, I mean, Coda, and you look at everywhere, everywhere, every time, every place. I always get that title mixed up. The 
the the the kind of the big movie of 2022 and you you will see some dramas uh that that do well uh you think of the movie the korean movie that won the academy award a few years ago with parasite that did very well so it is possible to for these dramas not to be just prestige and get the Oscar nominations, but actually to make a profit. But you see the majority of them, like Fableman, Spielberg's big Oscar push, and Tar and these other movies that have been more recent, um, just aren't going to make money. So I think the problem with dramas is that on, on some level, I think you, you do need to bring in well-known actors, and therefore that is going to undercut some of the small budget. And I think dramas just have have a tough time in terms of making money back. And I think you you see what a lot of these these dramas are doing is maybe they'll do a one week theatrical release like we saw with Glass Onion, and then go straight to streaming, and then just you know churn out the Academy Award machine. But I think Blumhouse is exceedingly successful, and I think, and I'm sure Hollywood is trying to learn and trying to mimic the Blumhouse model for other genres, but. I mean, it is what it is, and it, it they they have made tons of money, and I think the key is do more with less. And how many movies you see have such a bloated budget, and so much of it is to things that aren't that important, like CGI, like, oh, we got to get the perfect CGI, 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 where it's just mispriority, or they're, they're giving way too much money to an actor who really doesn't deserve that money. And you could save so much of that budget by tweaking the script, making the script not so so contingent on CGI, and maybe finding a second tier of young actors or actors that don't demand as much money to keep your budget down, and then you're more likely to recoup your loss. But either way, Blumhouse, Jason Blum, kudos to you. You've been exceedingly successful. And even though I don't watch your movies, I think it's great that you've been successful. Guys, I'll post a little poll over at the Cinema Rag Facebook group. Go check that out and go check out the various polls that we have over there. Until next time, take care. God bless and pray. Thanks for listening to the Cinema Rag. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow the rag today. Until next time.